dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I'm sharing a glass of wine with Jim Maroney of Six Mile Bridge Winery in Paso Robles. We discuss our love of the Emerald Isle, how Six Mile Bridge got its name, and how that obscure image on the label is not a ring. It is a lasting symbol of an extremely eventful day in Six Mile Bridge. And what happens when you get two Irish people talking about Ireland? The brogue comes out. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Blancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracaena Wines. Today, I am back in Paso, the best place to be on earth. And I am speaking with the owner of Six Mile Bridge, Jim Maroney. So welcome. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And once again, we are remote. I am so looking forward to the day where we can just sit at tables together and clink glasses. But for now, we're just going to have to do it virtually. Um, yeah, that's unfortunately the way it is. But I, that is a lot better than being closed, isn't it? So at least we get together outside. That's that's half good, at least. That is true. And right right off the bat, we want everybody to know that Paso is open. So get your butts to Paso and enjoy not only the wine, but everything else that Paso has to uh, offer. The restaurants are open. Everything is there. So uh, if you're not there, you're missing out, right? I agree with that. <laughs> All, All right. right. So first off, my very first question is always, 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 what is the origin story? What is that moment that you were like, yeah, wine is pretty good and I'm going to make this my life and, you know, I'm going, going to pursue my passion in this. Okay. I don't know if it's one moment, but I'll keep it short. I would say that we had a little chance to drink some wine at home long back in the seventies with my parents. I think the wine of choice back then was Winty Brother Gray Riesling, oh. 1972, four, something like that. <laughs> and so anyway, Barbara and I, well, we both wound up uh, at, uh, at Stanford. She was one year behind me and we began to make pilgrimages up to Napa. And boy, it was it different. I mean, there, there were, there was BB and Christian Brothers and Winty and Robert Mondavi. And I think maybe the Mondavi uh, winery building had just been finished and it was, you know, pretty, uh, slow Impressive. pace and not many cars. And we could just walk into a vineyard and have uh, a bottle of wine and some cheese and crackers and stuff. And I think it was on one of those trips that, uh, we just fell in love with wine, the whole experience of wine. We just were having such a great time. The weather was beautiful. The place was beautiful. The wine was great. And, uh, and along the way somewhere, I said to Barbara, uh, you know, whenever we get to a point where we're not doing our day jobs and if we have kids, 
<laughs> and they're all gone or whatever they're supposed to do. Uh, let's make some wine. And uh, she said, you know, like, sure. And uh, I don't know if she was really sure, but anyway, <laughs> she figured it was so far off. Who, who the heck cared and humored me for a while. So that, that really was it, though. We, we, I, I wanted to be making wine uh, literally since uh, the mid-70s when we were in college. Wow. And then, so you were at Stanford. How did you find Paso? Well, we had uh, one of my very best friends from Stanford and actually from Dallas, too, named Sammy Pepper. He and his wife moved, uh, they, they, they did a couple of three trips to uh, Cambria and fell in love with it and said, we're going to move here within three or four years. And so, by the way, in 2010, they moved on 4th of July. They arrived in Cambria. One year later to the day, 4th of July, Barbara and I came out to visit them. My friend Sammy said, uh, hey, Jim, let's, let's, what about going and doing some wine tasting? And I said, Sammy, really? My arm. You want to drive? My arms. Yeah, well, I said, you want to drive six hours up to Napa? I mean, I don't want to do that. Uh... And he goes, you idiot. He said, there's like 200 wineries within 45 minutes of here. And I said, what are you talking about? And we went, actually, the first place we went was RN Estate on the east side, not the west side, and uh, Roger Nichols. And uh, we started there. We started doing some east and west side, and it was beautiful. The wine was wonderful. The people were so nice. And Barbara and I kind of looked at each other and said, whoa, you know, maybe this is where we belong making wine when we get around to it. And that's, that's how we got to, to Paso. It is. Uh, I love hearing how people fall in love with Paso because it's it is such a place to fall in love with, um, you know, and it, the story is kind of similar to how we found Paso was uh, I went to college in Cal in Southern California. My husband, who had never been to California, you know, when we got into wine, we went, of course, to Napa, Sonoma. And that's where yep. he wanted to live. And I'm like, I am not living up north. I want to live down south, you know. And he yep. said, you know, so one year we were like, you know what? There's this thing, the Central Coast. Like literally we called it this thing, you know, the this thing. Coast. Let's go visit there. And we booked our vacation, not even knowing there was wine. We were going for the beach. We were going for a camera. <laughs> like we were doing this. And then we got okay, here. Good. We got here and we're like, Oh my, exactly the same thing. There's wine. And yeah. that was it. It was love at first sight. And I think that that's so true with so many people in Paso is, you know. Lori, that sounds literally love at first sight is the way Barbara and I felt about it. And we never looked back. We never thought about making wine anywhere else. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing place. It is an amazing place. Now, so you brought up the east side versus the west side. Where exactly is Six Mile Bridge? So if you're on Peachy Canyon, if you know Peachy Canyon, and if not, you may know the, the wineries there. We are uh, very close to Via Creek, uh, literally a mile from Via Creek. Uh, we're about, uh, you know, maybe two, three, three, three and a half miles from uh, Law. And so we're just right there in that Peachy Canyon corridor. If you come from the calcareous end, you'll hit Law, and then you'll hit us, and then Via Creek, and then Torn. And if you're, of course, coming in the opposite direction from vineyard you have it you know touring then then uh, via creek and then us that's where we are uh, and you are that's a very nice place to be nice location well we feel so lucky too because when we bought the property in 2013 there was no law uh open yet uh and uh 
course, we weren't open. So uh, now with and Torn wasn't open. So actually, it was just Via Creek and then on down, you know, some other wineries all the way to Calcareous, yeah. but not as close to us. And, uh, you know, we, we felt real fortunate by the time we opened ours up, there had been two more wineries that had come on the, the, the scene. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Six Mile uh, Bridge. So I'm Irish. I'm, I, I love I love Ireland. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, yep. there, yep. there really is not much about Ireland that I don't know how somebody cannot like or cannot love. Um, yes. Unfortunately, I've only been there once. I keep trying to get back, trying to get back, but it is the most incredible place. Um, and so your great grandfather is from County Clare, correct? That's right. My Actually, my great, great grandparents lived in Six Mile Bridge in County Clare. And you know, but for the rest of the folks, uh, if you were in Dublin, which is on the other side of the island and almost came straight across just a little bit south is County Clare and Six Mile Bridge. We're in between uh, Limerick and Shannon. Some people know the Shannon Airport. A lot of people know Limerick. We're literally almost in, right in between the two. In fact, six miles from Six Mile Bridge is six miles to uh, Shannon, I think, or Limerick, one of them, exactly. So I flew in to Dublin and then yeah. drove all over the place across to Shannon and I flew out of Shannon yeah. and it was the literally one of the best 10 days of, of my life. I enjoyed it so much there. So beautiful. Um, and I'm a huge John Wayne fan. So, um, you know, the quiet man, I had to find my way to, <laughs> <clears throat> I had to find my way to, to where that was filmed. We even stayed in the castle because John Wayne stayed in, and Maureen O'Hara stayed yes. in the Ashford yes. castle. Yeah. And I still have a little bottle of water that they put on the side of the, you know, side of the bed. You know, I have that because it's got the Ashford castle on it. So it is, it is an amazing place. So do you get to go there frequently? Do you visit we, We've that? actually only been there a couple of times. Uh, and uh, I want to tell you one little story, which will date me and you may not even recognize the reference, but Barbara and I were there. Oh gosh, 30 something years ago. And uh, we went, we're, we're Catholic and we knocked on the door of the, the parish priest and uh, the door opens up and he says, Oh, looks like a couple of Americans. What can I do for you? And I said, well, we want to see if I can, if we can find our, uh, like my great grandparents or great, great grandparents. Cause I assume this is the church they would have been at, you know, back in the day, you'd have the records. He looked at me and he goes, if I ever find Alex Haley, I'm going to strangle him till he's dead on the ground. <laughs> and he went on to say that when roots came out, everyone started looking for their roots. And so all of a sudden he was answering the door every day to some American looking for their, their Irish roots and he was tired of it. But <laughs> being the good Irish Catholic priest that he was, he welcomed us in and we found the, the marriage register of my wow. great, great grandparents. So anyway, that was fun. That's incredible. That's fantastic. Did you get like a picture of it? Do you have like did you? Oh, I have a picture of it. We took a picture of the, the register. We took a picture of all over Six Mile Bridge. I will tell you that we've had one, two people from Six Mile Bridge reach out to us. And we've just found a way to send them some wine. And I think they're going to get it in about, you know, 10 days. And they're going to share it with some people in town and send us some pictures back. And 
take and, and he said, I'm going to take this to my pub and <laughs> have him put it up on the shelf after I finish it. And I said, great, send me all the photos you possibly can. I, I just, it, at, that was such a treat to have a person find it online and then reach out to me and say, hey, can I get any of this? So that's kind of fun. That is, oh my God. And, you know, I can imagine what it's going to feel like when, uh, you know, when the pictures come back to you and you see these oh. people, you know, uh, enjoying your wine. Like it is. I, I can't, I, I really can't wait. Oh my gosh. So I want to talk about, there's so much history involved in Six Mile Bridge and how you developed your brand and all of that. Um, so the, it's honestly the most historical uh, label I've ever seen. So I'm going to hold up and I'm hoping it can be seen. So yeah, tell me about this right there, this very <laughs> historical thing on your, on your label. Uh, you want me to tell you about it? I do. I do. Cause it's so okay. much history and it's so cool. And just, you know, being Irish. Well, you know. well Lori, as you sort of indicated in a note you sent to me, not a single person so far in over a thousand people in the tasting room has yet to identify what it is. And I even have what it is on the wall as a, a real one. And uh, most of them, as you say, think it's a ring. But what it is, it very quickly, is in 1852, uh, some of the uh, people who were working the land for the landowners were going to the polls to vote. And the landowners thought they might help escort them with their own militia to be sure that perhaps they voted, not so much in their own best interest, but in the best interest of the landowners. And uh, a couple of Catholic priests with a bunch of more of the people that worked the land came trying to, you know, in a bigger group, trying to be sure they weren't going to be coerced into voting against their best interest. And uh, Anyway, unfortunately, the militia opened up fire, uh, killed six people, uh, many more were wounded, and uh, there was a hat found on the ground uh, that belonged to Father Clune, and through the top of it, where it would have sat above his head, obviously, uh, was a bullet hole. Uh, so he had gone through the top of the hat and missed his top of his head, fortunately. And uh, that's a story that is connected, very famous story connected with Six Mile, the Six Mile Bridge Massacre. It happened in 1852, the same year my great great grandparents emigrated from Ireland to the United States. And with them was a, a wee lad, a wee lad named James Moroni. And uh, this James Moroni would be my great grandfather and my namesake. So, that's why I've, I've loved the name Six Mile Bridge for my entire life. I didn't get there until I was much older. Uh, went back a second time about five or six years ago. And I love the name. And I told Barbara way back, way back when, maybe not right there uh, in the mid 70s. But at one point I said, Barbara, I know what I'm going to call this winery when we get to that place. And she said, oh, really? What is it? I said, Six Mile Bridge. She goes, ah, OK. And. So that was never, never in doubt, never a dispute. So and, anyway, and, that, that's the story. Oh, and I'm sorry. And the thing on the label yes. <laughs> is, is a Catholic, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a Catholic priest hat called a Beretta and it's hanging upside down. And the string is to represent where the bullet hole came in 
and would go out. Yeah. Now, it's not exactly because it's on the bottom, not the top, but it's hard to put a hat straight up and make it look not weird. <laughs> so it's hanging upside down and it's a Beretta. And uh, I said to people, look, you know, what was a swoosh before it was a swoosh? <laughs> nobody would have known, nobody would have cared, but they identified it with Nike. So I said, no one's going to put this on their label. And I just want people to look at it and say, oh, that's Six Mile Bridge. If they think it's a ring, I'm okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know, whatever they, wherever they As long as it brings it, them fine. back to Six Mile Bridge, right? That's right. As long as they see it and identify with Six Mile Bridge, then that's the whole intent. And that's why we put it on the label. We have it at the tasting room, a big sign with it in, in 3D relief. And so there you go. Well, I guess so, people are people are just enjoying your wine so much that they're not really paying attention to the description that you have on the wall. I, I, I well, it, yeah, I guess not. I mean, literally, I have a picture of an old Beretta, an actual Beretta, and it's hanging on the wall. It's it's two and a half by one and a half feet. It's huge, and they can look at it and read what it is, and they say, I keep saying, "What is this on your label?" And I go, "No, oh, well, you know, that's okay." <laughs> they're like, "But." But this isn't a bridge. Why? Why is it? Six yeah. mile, this isn't a bridge. <laughs> well, you're right. It isn't a bridge, <laughs> and that was my initial idea to put on the label. And when I went back after these many years before we did the the label, I had forgotten that the six mile bridge is not necessarily real descriptive <laughs> or memorable. It's a pretty simple bridge, but. We do have a picture of it in the reserve tasting room with eight other bridges, three from Texas, where Barbara and I grew up, three from California, where we met and, and spent a lot of our time, and three from County Clare. And so they're in the reserve tasting room, and in the center of that nine collaboration of, of uh, uh, bridges is, a, is the Six Mile Bridge Bridge. So it's That's there. You can see it if you come to the tasting room. All right. And now I'm going I'm to ask, because I'm like, did you happen to propose on a bridge? <laughs> God, I'm just not creative enough. That's what I should have done. And I should have put a Beretta on her finger and call it a ring. Yeah, there we go. Now, I wasn't that creative. Sorry. Yikes. God, I hope Barbara doesn't watch this. Say, That's what you should have done. Oh, oh well. So let's talk about the wine a little bit. Your your winemaker is um, actually Anthony Yount. And I mean, we know who he is, right? He's also for dinner. Okay. Yep. Uh, so tell me, how did your paths cross? How did you say, you know, this is how, and, you know, how did he come to you? Sure. Um, well, the, uh, the people who uh, own uh, Epic, uh, they... Uh, they went to SMU, which is here in Dallas, and uh, some people I knew knew Bill and Liz, and they knew I was going to start working on a winery there, so they introduced us. When it came time to uh, try to think about a winemaker, uh, I asked Bill Armstrong uh, if I could talk to Jordan Fioratini, his winemaker, not to try to hire her, but to get some recommendations. And she, we went to lunch and she said, well, there are two people uh, that if you can get either one of them to make your wine, you will be happy. You'll never look back. It'll be fantastic. 
but I can't tell you whether they'll do it or not. And one of those two was uh, Anthony and I met with him. We had a long conversation and I asked the question, uh, well, would you consider making our wine? And he said, yes, I would. And uh, I'll tell you something really interesting. Sometime later, I said to him, oh, he go, he, I said, why did you decide to make our wine? And he said, because you gave me the right answer. And I said, really, what was the question? And he said, the question was, what kind of wine do you want to make? And I said, I looked at him and I said, yeah, I remember I said, I want to make a wine that, that Barbara and I enjoy drinking every day. And he said, that was the right answer. And I said, well, what was the wrong, wrong answer? answer. <laughs> and, he, and his wrong answer, he said, well, if you had looked at me and said, I want to make a 95 point wine, I would have oh. politely said, I, I'm really not interested. And I said, okay, I get it. You know, we're here to do what we enjoy. We're not trying to chase scores. We're just want to make a wine that we believe in. And that's what we're doing. And we are so lucky to have him. He is a wonderful winemaker and a wonderful person. And we have a lot of fun and uh, just get along great. And I, I couldn't be, you know, I, Barbara and I feel so fortunate uh, to have Anthony uh, on our project. And, you know, again, going back to Paso as a whole, I think that's another thing about Paso. Like, you know, our neighbors to the north <laughs> tend to go towards the points. Let's make yeah. a wine that gives me these points. And Paso just makes quality, exciting wines that happen to get fantastic points, right? Yeah. I think that that's a big difference in, in the environment. And, and as people come to Paso, that it's a different feeling when you come to a winery in Paso than to other wine regions. I, I agree. And I think they're, they're the winemakers that... Uh, you know, and I know uh, they are really passionate about how they make their wine. They don't want to follow anybody's rules. They don't want to do it like somebody else does it. They want to do it the way they like to do it and, and make the wine the way they want to make it. And they're very devoted to that. And as you said, so they're going to make the wine they want to make it. They're going to make the wine they want to make. And if it happens to get a great score, good. But I don't think they're saying, well, maybe I should do more extraction or maybe I should, you know, add back some acid or something. So maybe I'm going to get a better score. That's not what I ever heard in the beginning. And I still don't hear today. Right. Absolutely. Uh, that is, that is definitely Paso-esque. Yeah, it is Paso-esque. <laughs> All right. So we talked about the wine a little bit, but tell, now I want, I want to taste it. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is the 2017 Six Mile Bridge um, estate cuvee. So can yeah. you just uh, give me a little bit background on that while I start to yeah. sniff? Okay. okay, well, that is our flagship wine, our estate cuvee. Uh, you know, cuvee, kind of another good word for blend. And uh, we have on our, uh, our Maidy Vineyard, our first vineyard that we planted, which is named after my uh, paternal grandmother. Uh, uh, it is, uh, has all five of the principal Bordeaux varietals. So it has Cab and it has Merlot and it has Petit Bordeaux and Malbec. Uh, and uh, what did I leave out? Uh, Cab Franc. I leave one. Cab Franc and Cab Franc and in different percentages. And it really is our best fruit. It's the best fruit we get off of the Maidy Vineyard. We, we sort that fruit. We, uh, taste it and we once we barreled it and we say this is our 
our best blocks, best fruit, and we put that together uh, to make our estate cuvee. It's different. It was different in uh, 16 in terms of blend than it is in 17, and it will be again in 18 and 19. We've already gone through. So uh, it just depends on how the fruit uh, turns out in the different blocks and what the percentage blending gives us the profile that we want. And uh, that's it. So always, always the five Bordeaux, but just the percentages are different or sometimes you don't even, you don't use all the five. Well, so far I can tell you through our 2019 blending, we have used all five, okay. but we are not uh, wed married. to that. Yeah. Married to that. It, it, we might start doing something different. I will tell you that uh, in 19, uh, and this will be the first time, so this won't be released until September of 22, but um, we're going to have a limerick and a Shannon. The limerick, uh, which is to the right, if you look at a map, it's to the east or the right of Six Mile Bridge. It's going to be white right bank driven, so more Merlot, more Cobb Franc. And the limerick, which is, I mean, the, uh, the Shannon, Shannon, which is to the left, will be more left bank, like left bank Bordeaux, and more cab driven. And we, we blended uh, two different, if you will, estate cuvées, and we're going to rename them Shannon and Limerick mm -hmm. and uh, make them more in a left and right bank style. I am in love. I am in love. That is, Good. That okay. is brilliant. Be, that is beyond brilliant. I absolutely, as soon as you said the names and you went, you know, more right, I knew where you were going. And I just you was like, I was yes, that is, yes. that is fantastic. That is. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to, you know, blow this out if people watch this. But uh, so if we make a right bank styled wine and we call it Limerick on the right side. Should we put the grapes and their percentages on the label or not? And here is the pivot question. Because as you know, Merlot leaves the right bank wines mm -hmm. and Merlot may still be trying to recover from <laughs> the sideways movie. And so do people, are they gonna look on that label and say, oh God, Merlot, I don't want any of that. I'm gonna go over here you know, to the, to Shannon, what do you think? So in my head, I'm envisioning the back label being the story of connecting, uh, you know, to the left bank. Uh, yep. I mean, I'm sorry, to the right bank. right bank. So I personally would stick to just the story. And if people realize it's Merlot based, it's Merlot based. If they don't, if they don't understand that right bank is Merlot based, I would kind of leave that out. You know, well, I mean, saying, it would definitely be on this. I would definitely put it on the tech sheets, but on the yep. bottle, I would stick to, this is a right, right bank Bordeaux blend and explain why okay. it's, you know, why it's a lim right. limerick, right? Limerick. Well, that's kind of yeah. where I think we're headed, but you know, as you noticed on the bottles that you had and all the bottles today, we have, we put the, the right. percentages of each of the, of the different varietals on there. This one, I think is like 53% cab, uh, 52, 53% cab. And then, you know, on down with Merlot being like 17%, but in 16, we had 36% cab and 25% Merlot. So it was much more, 
you know, Merlot heavy relative to the cab than, than the 17 is. And that was just a blending decision. I mean, on, on the other side of the story, on the other side, I mean, it, it, if you want to stay true to your label, your front label, I don't know how many people are actually looking down there for the for that percentage. Yep, good point. So then you're sticking to your label concept. Yep. Uh, now I'm okay. going into my marketing, you know, into my marketing. Yep. yep. Um, yep. But like what you have on the back, you know, like the 11 acre estate vineyard and that that's all about the story of right bank versus left bank and Limerick versus Shannon and, you know, nice little map or something, you know, like that's, that's how yeah, I would yeah, see the yeah. back. Um, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would um, as much as I think Merlot is really, really making a comeback and people are understanding that yeah. it's a quality wine that is killer. Um I don't know. I think right now I might still stick to just right bank, left bank. And if people know what they're drinking. Yeah. They, they, well, I will tell you, uh, our really our Merlot has been some just incredible. Anthony is even this year said it may have been from his, uh, palate, the, 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 and I'm talking about 2020, the best fruit, uh, off the whole vineyard, uh, the Merlot. Uh, so, uh, we definitely want to do something. I've really been thinking about uh, putting out a bottle of Merlot and calling it uh, on the 20th to release it coincident with the 20th anniversary of Sideways and call it Upwards. <laughs> and, and, and it's just a little homage to trying to, you know, rehabilitate Merlot. You know, so many people, I don't know, that, that might like a, a right bank uh, wine may not, as you point out, realize that it's going to more than likely have more Merlot mm -hmm. than anything else. And you know, one of the, the great uh, right bank wines is almost all Merlot. So anyway, well, you know, if we if we're going back to sideways, right, the yep. people remember that one line, but forget yep. the line that I think is two lines prior, which is the reason why he's not drinking Merlot is because his ex-wife loves Merlot. It has absolutely nothing to do with the grape itself. It's because he he's so upset with his ex-wife. That's the reason why he's not drinking. And then you go to the final scene. What is he drinking? A right bank Bordeaux that is Bordeaux. one that is one of the most yeah. expensive wines it's out there. Funny. I I, I knew the last thing you just said. I had forgotten the line before, and uh, I'll have to go back and look at that. I didn't realize that. Maybe I should call the wine my ex-spouse or something. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. I don't have um, an ex-spouse, by the way. That's Thank good. <laughs> yeah, that's good, I think. That's good. Um, I think that the majority, the majority of, and I could be wrong, but I think the majority of just wine, people who enjoy wine, not yeah. those who dive into the education of wine, but people who just enjoy wine, they know right bank, they know left bank as yeah. just terms. I don't terms, think, yeah. and to be really honest, as much as I've studied wine and all of my certifications, every day, you know how I remember which is which? How? Because right bank has an R in it. So it's Merlot. <sighs> Very good. That's how I kind of do Stern and, and uh, port <laughs> for port. Port has four letters like left does, so left oh. port and, and leave, you know, whatever. See? Whatever, Starboard, whatever. Starboard for the other thing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever sticks in your brain. Um, but this, let's go back, let's go back to your cuvee. About how many cases is your entire production? 
Well, uh, right now it's only about 1,200 cases. Uh, and of that, the, the uh, uh, estate cuvee will be, you know, uh, several hundred of those. And then we're really more into 125, 150 cases of the cab, the, the paladin, uh, a little less so with the Sauv Blanc. Uh, so the, the, right now we have more, the, the most of wine that we produce is the estate cuvee. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's a very dark uh, fruit wine. Um, yep. And it's, I, I Coravined it. So it's very fresh. It, you know, um, yep. I opened, well, I, I opened it like about a half an hour prior to we got on. So right now it's still, it's got a nice, uh, it's got the leather coming out of it in the aromas. Yep. yep. Um, but it's very dark and deep. And the color is like, you can't even see, no. you know, that is nice, deep, dark. Yeah, it's very off the chart dark. And I, I would tell you that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to slowly even release these wines one year later. Right now, we released the 17 this past September. We'll release the 18 this coming September, which we're, you know, Three years. Pretty, yeah, we're on the later end right now. But I don't know about you, Lori, but I have had and I'm, I'm more of a savory guy, by the way, than maybe a fruit forward guy. But uh the best wines I've had in Paso have been uh, a 2012, a 2013, some things with some at least five to seven years of age on them. Uh, and these wines uh, have very uh, good, strong tannins. We, we have pH in our grapes naturally that's in the three, 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 four range. So these wines will, will age and they will age well. Mm -hmm. And I, if I was gonna do what I think would be best to do, I put these wines away and drink them three years from now uh, when they're, you know, so a 2017 would be six, seven years mm -hmm. old. I, I really do think that they're gonna peak somewhere in the 23, 24 uh, year from now, you know, so that, that's, that's my okay. opinion. We haven't had a wine yet to get that old. Because <laughs> 2016 was our first wine. Yeah, but that wine was even bigger than this wine is, and it'll it'll age even longer. And mm -hmm. uh, we told people when the 17 came out that if you're going to drink one of our two wines and you have to have both vintages, drink the 17. While not exactly what I would call purely approachable, it was more approachable mm -hmm. than the 16s, even you know being a year younger. Uh, so that's just what's coming off of our there's of our estate. The state there's um. The tannin is is big. It's it's there, yep. um, but in all honesty, it's not overpowering. the The wine is completely balanced. The, it, you know, I, it, I, I give. And Anthony and I talk about balance and texture, probably more than anything else, and uh, integration balance. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think great winemakers do. Like Anthony, if you give them really good fruit, they can make really great wine. And you know, I was a little bit hesitant when I came to Paso and it was, you know, I said, <laughs> I said to Anthony, well, Anthony, you know, I like, you know, that about 13% alcohol wine, you know, 12 and a half, like they do in Bordeaux. And he goes, Jim, we're you're Paso. never going to get that. <laughs> we're that, Paso. Is, that, that is not happening. He said, we have twice the amount of sun hours or whatever that, that Bordeaux gets and we, the fruit ripens. And, but he's convinced me that, if you build a really a wine that between the fruit and the tannins and the acid and 
you you can you it's and it's 15 percent it doesn't go down hot and burning no it's about that balance and that integration and i think that's what really great winemakers like anthony uh are able to do that maybe others just have a harder time achieving yeah, it's not simple to maintain balance like that, um, no. you know, and the, it is definitely in balance. And, you know, Thank you. right now it's 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 the fruit is tight. The fruit is tight, yep. but it's there like you can taste it. it. It's 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 in the it's in the back. And if I leave this glass out for, you know, like it's three thirty now, if I had that at five o'clock, that's that's where you're talking about. That's that's a five year old wine, you know about and it's going it's going to be singing it's going to be beautiful because i would even tell you that next time take a bottle have a glass or two cork it put it back in the refrigerator and have the next day and i've had second day bottles of our wine that are the best i've had better than anything i've opened and let breathe for three or four hours you know the the next day then it starts singing it uh, and it's it's got a little more a little softer texture to it the tannins have, have, you know, given up a little bit. Uh, so uh, yeah. I want to, I want to try to get them. I want to try to release them one year later. So we're trying to work on figuring out how to do that how without do- having to shut down. <laughs> right. But um, it's the tannins, the tannins are not overbearing. They're not, no. they're there. So even, even right now being corvined, they're not overbearing. This, this is a, a great wine. It's going to be spectacular. When, well, thank you. When thank it, you. Um, I really, I appreciate that. You know, I obviously biased, but I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, anybody who knows me, I do not lie. I mean, and when people, one of the things, one of the things is, is, you know, my husband uh, has a friend, which I'm sure doesn't listen to this. So I will go right ahead and say it. I do not, <laughs> I do not like this person at all. I just don't like him <laughs> at all. And when we're together, he, th- this person has actually said to my husband, your wife does not like me, does she? And my husband will go, oh no, she doesn't. People, you know, <laughs> she, she does not hide. She does not hide if she doesn't like you. I am okay. not, I am not fake to the face, man. I, I, I am a great poker player. You don't want to play poker with me because I have a poker yep. face, but I'm, I'm not a, let me talk behind your back or let me say one thing and, you know, and then do another. No, 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 no. I have a friend and I say to him, you know, you, you stab people in the front. And he goes, yeah, that's right. I do. Yeah. And, and that sounds a little bit like you, which, okay, okay. If I had to have one or the other, if they're going to stab me, yeah. stab me in the front. Let me you yeah. know, give it to me. Let me know what you're going to say. I don't want, don't do it behind yeah. my back. I, I, yeah. I am never saying anything that I, to somebody else that I will not say to your face. And you, you know what, that's what it is. So yeah. I am saying this wine, it, it's, it is a beautiful wine. It's, Thank it's you. got a lot of dark fruit. Um, it's even, it even opened up a little bit just with, with the little bit of swirling I was doing to open up yep. a little bit of the fruit. So that's coming out. Well, Lori, you know, and, and this is at least I believe, and I think there's some data to support this, that, you know, so many people, First of all, want a little more fruit forward than not, if, if not a lot more fruit forward. And, and they do drink wines, you know, not very long after they buy them. Uh, and so I think it can disadvantage a wine like this because a person who's used to more fruit forward wine that's sort of more pop and pour is going to taste this and, and they're going to get those tannins and they're going to say, 
you know, where's the fruit or I can't taste the fruit. It's kind of bitter in my, you know, I'm getting that astringent sort of thing. And, you know, what can you do now? I personally just think it's an, it's, it's an old world wine. That's all. And I, God, that's the greatest thing you could ever tell me. I have, I, I spend a lot of money in my cellar on old world wine. So I, it's, it, I agree. I think that there's different palates. I enjoy both. Um, you know, and wait I, a minute, I'm going to get something real quick. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's, I don't know, is it Friday or Saturday is national like drink your really special bottle of wine day. So Saturday, the 27th is open that bottle night. Yes. Okay. Did you see this? Uh, oh yes. It's a, it's a 1982 Rose. Yes. And from St. Julian and it is really special and I'm not going to cry here, but I, I cry at supermarket openings. I'm very <laughs> prone to crying, but my very best friend in life uh, died of brain cancer and his name was Peter Rose. And uh, I've kept this bottle for a long time to sort of, you know, was in a memory to him. And so since my daughter-in-law said it's, she's going to put it on Instagram and wanted us all to go get a special bottle. I grabbed that one. And so Saturday I'm going to, Oh, well, that is, that is a perfect bottle to open on Saturday. And just so you know, I am co-hosting a Zoom for uh, anybody who wants to join of Open That Bottle Night. And uh, yes, so uh, it honestly was not my idea. It's a colleagues of mine wrote me and asked me if I would, I guess, be the the face behind it. I don't know. He thinks I'm I don't know why he thinks I have more people than he does. But uh, so (laughs) he another colleague of mine are actually tonight at six o'clock are going to go live on Instagram to talk about the Zoom event that's happening on Saturday night. And all it is is people coming on and showing their bottle and telling the story of why they're opening that bottle. So send me the, send me the link. I I just get on and listen. And when I have a chance, I might tell my story. I can't, you know, depending on time zone changes and all that kind of thing. Well, it's it. We're we're here. Oh, you're okay. I'm going to be in Texas. So I, the timing Um, may, may work better or may not work. I don't know, but so they're both East coast. So it's Saturday is seven. They're doing it seven to nine on Saturday. Oh, okay. I might be able to join that. So yeah, okay. absolutely. I Great. will send you the link when, when I get it. Yes, absolutely. I'll steal that idea next year. I won't uh, do it this year. All right. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about, uh, you did mention that, uh, the, the Mady vineyard was after your maternal grandmother, correct? That's right. So I know there's a story behind grace vineyard. <laughs> Grace is my maternal grandmother. And what is really special about it is she was a lovely lady, just marvelous, and a very devout Southern Baptist. And alcohol never crossed her lips in her 93 year old life. And so, so I'm, I'm not, not Irish. <laughs> I'm just, I'm doing it to honor her. It's not a get back at you, Nana, or anything like that. Her, but her real name is Grace. We called her Nana. And so I, I said I had my paternal grandmother. I thought, well, let's name it Grace. And then my cousins in Tennessee, where she grew up, said, you know, you're, you know, our She's grandmother. She's rolling in never, her grave. <laughs> yeah, she never, she never drank anything. And I said, well, it's okay. That's, you know, Grace is a great name. And, and uh, she was a wonderful woman. And so that's where it comes from. 
Wow. And that, how does, I got to go back to, how does that marriage work? Uh, Irish and, and Irish and Ger- It was actually German. She was, she was Grace Wilhoit or her, I guess her oh. husband was Wilhoit. And, My maiden uh, name is Hoyt, German Hoyt, so which is a shortened version of that. That's funny. My mother was a professional singer, and she changed her name while she sang from Helen Wilhoyt to Lynn Hoyt. Hoyt. Yeah, there you go. God, it's the first Hoyt <laughs> I think I've ever met. H O I T. Yeah, H O Y. Wow. Y like the what? winery in Paso. Oh, why? Why? Oh, you're H O I. Yeah, H-O-I-T, oh. Will oh, okay. Hoyt, H-O-I-T, and she oh, just joined okay. it to Hoyt, H-O-I-T. Okay, close enough, uh, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy. And I'm not related to the Hoyts that, that have the winery in Paso. Winery. Okay. I tried. <laughs> I tried, but we're, we're not. We're hey. not. <laughs> um, all right, so you said that your first vintage was 16? Our first vintage was 16, that's right. Uh, and everything uh, up and through 18 has come strictly off the Mady Vineyard. Uh, we planted the uh, Grace Vineyard in 18. We okay. took, we dropped most of the fruit this year, this past uh, harvest in 20, but we left a little hanging uh, and uh, I've tasted it. Uh, it was cab. We only left, we have all cab and some cop franc. We dropped all the cop franc. We left a little bit of cab. I've tasted it. It's good. And it's a very different profile. There's more clay. Uh, well, there's, there is clay in the soil in Grace. There our Mady Vineyard is 12 inches of, you know, topsoil dirt and nothing but limestone awesome. all the way down. And uh, this one has great limestone soil, but has some clay in it. And it gave the, the cab a very different profile. So it'll be fun to bottle some of it as a vineyard specific. And it'll be fun to blend with it because it'll bring something different than the, uh, the fruit off of Mady. And so let's go back to that limestone. So Peachy Canyon is very appropriately or appropriately, appropriately, yeah. appropriately, appropriately, appropriately yes. named because of the pink limestone that's in there. So, tell, you know, I don't think you're actually the first person who we're, we're interviewing that's from Peachy Canyon area. So let's talk about that pink limestone because it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And, you know, what's interesting is that uh, when they were, uh, you know, sort of preparing the whole vineyard in Mady, all of this limestone came out of the ground in huge pieces, I mean, huge pieces of stone, all, all pink, all sort of peachy pink, that pinch, you know, orange pink kind of peachy color. And uh, the person that did it, Rich Gonzalez, has probably ripped more you know, land in Paso than anybody he said, Jim, I got to tell you, I've never seen this much of that uh, peachy color limestone in any other vineyard I've done. And Anthony said the same thing. Um, we did go get a, a geeky sort of uh, um, explanation from a, a uh, I don't know if it's a geologist probably. And he said that it's the iron in the soil sort of, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but leaching into mm-hmm. the limestone and giving it that, that peachy color. Whereas without that iron, it would be your typical white limestone. And we have that white limestone as well, but off the Mady Vineyard, it was predominantly this peachy color. And so it's wonderful. We have it 
all around our house and some retaining walls and things like that. It's kind of fun. Yeah, you got to make like countertops out of that. And well, I guess it's probably too soft to do countertops, but yeah, right. But uh, yeah, awesome. But it's it's really really pretty. And uh, I I don't you know is there something special about that iron that's that's sort of I don't know oxidized into the the limestone to give you a different flavor profile? He said it's possible, and so I'm saying yeah, yeah. it's different. I, I have to say that it does. I mean, any little thing that's different and in that significant of amount has to give some sort of effect. You know, we may not right. know what that effect is at that moment, at this moment, but it's it's playing into the role of what's creating this entire product, you know, this entire grape, you know, vineyard. Yep. Absolutely. We we keep a, a couple of pieces of the Peachy Canyon limestone. Uh, and then a white limestone down in the tasting room. And we say to people, here's what we have and here's what most limestone is and look how different. And people are like, wow, wow. what is that all about? Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of your other wines. Yeah, the yep. names, I love the names. So you have Paladine and Incantation. Yep. Right? So where are those names coming from and what are those wines? <laughs> So everybody has to have uh, a wine named after their dog, right? So our-, our My entire black... winery is named after my dog. Okay, so. well, there you go. You're, <laughs> you're ahead of us on that score. But uh, Paladin uh, actually was a television show in the late 50s, no, the, yeah, maybe the late 50s, early 60s. And Paladin means heroic champion, if you look it up oh, in the dictionary. Okay. And the star of the show, uh, was a, uh, a guy called Paladin. He dressed all in black and he looked like a real badass. But actually, people called him, wired him, you know, back in the old West. And he came and helped right the wrongs that bad people did on behalf of good people. But he looked like a bad guy. Okay. And uh, I love the show. Watched it with my dad when I was a kid. And since he was all in black and our first dog was a black lab, we named him Paladin. We named this Paladin uh, uh, sort of after the dog. Also always loved the name, loved the TV show. And it's a Zinfandel blend uh, and it has been with mostly with Cab. And I also think, Lori, and again, there's some people like me that love a really great Zinfandel and there's other people that sort of just turn their nose up at it. So I thought, you know, if we put Zinfandel on the label, some people might not even want to try it. And uh, we, so we put Paladin, Paladin on there. We did put the blend on there. You can see it. Uh, but I will tell you back to this, you know, because there's not a, nearly as much tannin structure in Zinfandel. And it's, I think the first one was 80, 20. And this last one, maybe 75, 75% uh, uh, Zinfandel. There's not as much tannin in the, in the Zin. And uh, they drink much they drink more fruity, more forward sooner. And, and so it's been probably the best, I know it's yeah. been the best selling wine since we released the 17s in the tasting room because people are getting this great fruit right out of the bottle on it. Whereas the cab and the state cuvee are a little more tied up. Okay. So, that's, so that's Paladin, where it comes from. And it, it's gonna continue to be a Zen blend wine. Okay. It may not always even be 75% Zen. Uh, and we have that, opportunity because we we call it paladin and not zinfandel you don't see zinfandel as a on the label anywhere mm -hmm. like that and then incantation um 
was a name uh, one of our sons came up with. We were doing fanciful names. And uh, we have Malbec on our uh, Mady Vineyard. And it is the deepest color you, I mean, Anthony took it to a lab and the guy couldn't believe it. He said, I've never seen numbers like this on color in anywhere on anything in Paso Robles. That word got out. We had some people wanting some cuttings and so forth. But Anthony just said, I didn't think Malbec would work in Paso Robles. And he's that year, the 17, he said it was the best fruit in, in, in the house. And he said, we've got to make a wine out of this. It's just incredible. So um, he made a 75% Malbec, 12 and a half uh, cab, 12 and a half petite Verdot. And uh, again, we gave it a, a fanciful name in case uh, A, somebody's not a Malbec fan or thinks they're used to drinking. And I say this, there's great Malbec wines in Argentina, Argentina. but there's a lot of mass produced mm -hmm. Malbec. And, uh, and we didn't want to be stuck with having to always put 75% Malbec in it if we wanted to blend some other things. So that's where it comes from. And uh, I like incantation because it's sort of like, okay, we we're doing something that hadn't been done in Paso, leading with a Malbec and magic happens. happens. And it's going to make this great wine. It's a wonderful wine. Wonderful. And now the one I'm really, really excited about, McQueen. <laughs> Queen is my middle name. Oh my God. <laughs> and so now, you're probably wondering why is she so intrigued by oh, this one I, bottle? Look, <laughs> every person, as I grew up, everyone said, well, are you related to Steve McQueen? They didn't really think I was, but they had to ask the question. Of course, I never said, yes, I wasn't because I wasn't, but we were, we were going to make we wanted to practice making wine and because we had, you know, three years, four years before we get fruit off of the Mady Vineyard. So uh, in 2014, uh, Anthony said, let's source some fruit and let's make some wine. And, and uh, I really didn't want to start a second label branding, marketing. I said, you know, having two labels is a nightmare, uh, particularly for a startup, you know, winery. And Barbara, my wife said, no, Jim, we really got to have a second label. So I said, all right, okay, I'm with you. And she, she's right, by the way, as it turns out, in my opinion. Uh, uh, but we said, oh, let's just name it McQueen. I mean, what, what the hell? We're not, we're not going to ever make, this was, we made 50 cases in 14, 50 cases in 15. And then we quit in 16 because this was just practice wine. And we never released it. We never sold it. We never did anything with it. The first McQueen was off of York Mountain uh, oh. and the second one, York Mountain ABA, uh, Shell Mountain, actually, I guess, or Shell Vineyard. And then uh, the second one was some Jada Fruit, uh, I think. Uh, oh, and it was called Tricolor, by the way, because it was mostly cab, but some Petit Verdot and Merlot. And our Basset Hound is called a Tricolor because she has three colors. So I put a picture of her on the back. Again, we weren't going to sell this wine. My kids loved it. They thought it was funny. And uh, anyway, so in 17, for some reason, I don't remember why Anthony said, well, do you want to start making the McQueen again? And I said, yeah, what the heck? I don't know. Go ahead. So we sourced fruit off dinner, cab only, fruit that, that he knew well, knew how to work with well, and we've stayed with it ever since. The 2014 McQueen, by the time we, we, were, running out, we were running out of wine in the, in the tasting room, and I said to Rosie, what do you want to do? And she says, well... Can, you want to just start selling them a queen? I said, 
God, you know, uh, well, we got 50 cases. That stuff, we had one guy walk out with four cases of it. It was, back again, it was 2019. It was already, no, it was 2020. 2020, so it was already six years years old. old. And it was, and it's a cooler climate, you know, cab being out on, up in that AV, other York Mountain AVA, it was a beautiful line. I was like, oh man. <laughs> and I found out we had one acre of it. And uh, Herman's story. Um, Ru- uh, Russell? Russell. Russell. Russell had the other like seven acres and he got the acre after we quit oh. using it. And I couldn't go back because I would have gone and sourced some fruit back off it. It was. Fabulous. So, by the way, if, if he was, if Herman's, if you can find a find a Herman story straight up cab, you should try it because that fruit is really great fruit. Anyway, so we've been making it. We skipped sixteen, and we've been making about eighty, you know, ish cases uh, with some fruit off of dinner. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Oh, See and maybe we'll source them. <laughs> Maybe we'll, yeah, so that, that's where McQueen comes from. Here I am. So before before we recorded, I told him, go get the bottle, go get the bottle. I'm envisioning in my head, you know, some Steve McQueen. <laughs> I'm envisioning some Steve McQueen, you know, like. I'm sorry. You know, greatest game. Something like that. You know, I, just, I, I, I thought you were paying homage to. I watched all of his movies as a kid. I thought he was the coolest thing around, but uh, <laughs> I have no, no, well, I have no relation to him that I know, no and I'm sure I don't. <laughs> uh, so we have a little, so we are able to have a little scotch with our Irish because obviously this is a Scottish name, and it's my, I think, great grandmother on my father's side's maiden name. She right. was a McQueen. See, I do think I do think I don't think you can in our our generation. I don't think you can have Irish without Scottish. Like I think it's yeah. just it's. Well, there we go. Yeah. So, but oh my god, that's why you're probably wondering why does she want to see this label so badly? I I had a whole other a whole other thing in my. I know head. I was sort of surprised when you brought it up, but I will say this: it, it is a different profile, of course, because it's off dinner. But Anthony knows this fruit and dinner, you know, really better than he knows our fruit because he's been working with it longer. He's been the principal winemaker. I think he's, what, 36. He's been 11 years as the principal winemaker already at dinner, which is incredible to think about. But he, he is the, the McQueen uh, Cabernet Sauvignon that we really have only been selling in the tasting room. We, we opened one little window in uh, January of this year because of being closed down again. But otherwise, you only can get it in the, uh, in the tasting room. So this is now the second time that I had a whole other story in my head for a thing. So do you, do you, <laughs> Sorry. Do you, do you know uh, Drew now? He's over on Peachy Canyon. So Say he again? just Drew now. He oh, just yeah, opened, yeah, sure, right? Sure, he sure. just opened the tasting room. On, so yes, he has, yes. he has 11s. He has a wine called 11s. Yes, and yes. in my head, I was like, oh my God, the 11, you know, the AVAs, uh, you know, all of this. He's like, oh no, never thought about that. It has to do with 11, 11 on the radio, uh, on the clock and being good luck. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's funny you say that, Lori. I, I, I've been there to taste their wines and uh, and I, I I think I heard that story, but I'd forgotten what it was. I'd forgotten why. I didn't know, I didn't even, I didn't think about the 11 AVAs. I was just kind of, <laughs> what does 11 come from? And I think they said, yeah, it's good luck. 
Good luck, because when you look at the clock and it says 11-11, that's supposed 11. to be good luck, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I had yeah. I had a whole other story in my head, and now <laughs> I had a whole. Yeah, there so, we go. Sorry. So we are approaching our hour, and it went fast because I was having a blast talking to you. I was, too. Uh, I, I hope I hope, <laughs> I hope somebody learned something about the wine. I was having a great time. Um, so can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yep. So um, just, you know, uh, hashtag six mile bridge, you know, that's, that's us. Um, there, if you go, if you put it, you know, hashtag six mile bridge, you'll find uh, us. You can put it in the search widget on Instagram if you want. Uh, we have a Facebook presence, but we don't really work it very much. Uh, we don't have a Twitter account that we use, which really just Instagram is where we're doing all of our social media. Okay. And you do actually have an account. It's six mile bridge, right? So it's yeah, at six, six mile yeah, bridge, right? That, that's the account. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then Pat, like we said at the beginning of this, Paso is open. So how can they get into your tasting room? Um, so you can uh, go to sixmilebridge.com online and uh, uh, make a reservation uh, through talk. You know, they've got the reservation system, but it's embedded obviously in the website. You'll see, visit us, click on visit us. It'll bring up and you can make a, a reservation. We have uh, right now, everything of course, outdoors. We have got a, beautiful, gorgeous, probably 150 or 200 year old uh, oak tree that we oh. trimmed up a little bit and built a deck underneath. I named the tree Melchizedek, <laughs> you know, and uh, anyway, only people that, you know, sort of have read the Old Testament might understand that. But anyway, it's Melchizedek, the tree and the deck is beautiful. It's made out of redwood. And so you can sit under there and have a great time. You can be outside on our porch. And we even have a porch that has some screens that come down. So if it gets a little cold in the morning, we can close those down and uh, create heat in what is still an outdoor space, uh, but it qualifies an outdoor space, but has a little bit of an indoor feel to it. So we invite everybody to come by, uh, make a reservation. We are reservation only. And I also want to tell you, which I, I'm really proud of, we have a, a strict policy, one post to one group. You will not have a person, you know, wondering where they went to, or they're talking to someone like me that talks too much and you can't get them away from another table and your glass has been empty for five minutes. We, uh, we have one host to one group. And when we get filled with the number of hosts we have, we don't take any more people. Uh, you can always call in case we're available for somebody, but pretty much best thing to do is make an appointment. And I'm going to guess dog friendly. Oh, dog friendly, uh, baby friendly, kid friendly, and we're even people friendly. So yeah, <laughs> we're just, I, I, you know, I'll tell you, Lori, I, there's, you can hire people with a lot of different characteristics and you can train people in a lot of different things, but you cannot train friendly. You have to hire friendly and we hire friendly people who wants to go to as I say who wants to go to a winery tasting room and be served by Eeyore you want Tigger, <laughs> you want you want Tigger to come in and be happy like you are you're drinking you wine life's good Tigger. You're yeah and and then Eeyore comes up and starts moaning about oh, how bad the day is like give me a break so we're we're very Tigger you know, focus. We, we, we hire friendly people and uh, Rosie runs our tasting room. She's been around. Paso and I and know Rosie. Room. Rosie is, you know, Rosie. Great. Well, she's wonderful. wonderful. And yes. She's friendly and she hires friendly. Yes. 
So there so you if you're go. A friendly person, come visit. Six Mile Bridge. They are T I double Jer G E R double Jer double Jer. Excellent. They are. <laughs> that All is right, wonderful. Well. well, thank you so much for sharing Six Mile Bridge, your story, your wines. I had a blast talking to you, um, and I can't wait to uh, get a little free time and stop in and uh, see you in real life. <laughs> Well, uh, again, thank you so much. I had a blast. I could do this all night long. It was so much fun. I, if we did go a little longer, I was going to open some wine up. But now that we're done, I'll wait. Oh. <laughs> and uh, do come visit us. We would love to see you. Reach out to uh, Barbara and me, and uh, we'll come down and uh, have some wine with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will send you that link once that Zoom link is created. Please do. I will send you that link for Saturday. So, all right. All right. Have a right. great evening. Care, thank Lori. you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha. I'm special, very, very special. You are so special, even in the final.